Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 191. And this week, folks, we are joined uh, by the man behind B. Moore, Westmoreland, Ron Klopfenstein. He's joined. Uh, he's joining us here this week. Great conversation. Uh, Westmoreland Historical Society, Rome Sentinel. He's a Renaissance man all over the place. Also, this week, we're going to be talking about our uh, our internet incident from this week. Uh, a major award that I won. Uh, I haven't got my leg lamp in the mail yet, but that'll be coming soon. Uh, Amazon HQ cancellations, Colin Kaepernick, the end of the NASA Opportunity Rover, history lessons, uh, all of this, rage yoga, all of this, and so much more. Uh, as usual, folks, episode 191, the Uticast, we are happy, as always, that you are here. This week, and and all, all weeks, every week, we're happy you're here. You want me to like no, redo? Let's not talk about it. No, we can we're redo. Good, we're good. We're good. We can redo our we're banter good. about your ripped clothing <laughs> and how fashionable it is now. No, all right. Well, that's fine. Welcome back, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one ninety one. It's the Uticast. Heather and Kevin, you're back. It's nice to see you. I you're a little late today because I you am. had to go back to Core Eatery and get your your meal. Fixed. Yeah, they messed it up. So they said that if I brought everything back, that they would refund our meal and give us free free food. Uh, I'm not bringing you bringing this up so you can crap on Core Eatery. I'm curious because I've never actually been to Core. Is it good? It's really good. What is it like beans? It's just beans. It's beans. It's just like beans. Yeah. It's, yeah. A it's a bean store. It's a bean store. It's a bean store. It's like different stews? salads and mm-hmm. soups and black um, beans, white beans, kidney <laughs> beans, <laughs> all the beans, lava beans, beans, lava beans. I just assume it's like everything he says not there. <laughs> I assume it's just like a row of beans. No, just you go in. It's just a very healthy, yummy place to eat. I've never gone. I never think to go up to Corey. Be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's okay. My husband really likes it and my son likes it. I only like two things out of the whole place. Yeah. And they happen to be like the most, the, the only kind of bad for you things that are there. So, But it's not bad. People like it. It's healthy. Whatever. Uh... So real quick, we're not really going to talk about politics today. Although our interview this week, uh, this week, I'm going to try and say his name correctly. Ron uh, Kloppenstein from the uh, Be More w- uh, Westmo. That's from the Rome Sentinel. He does all all sorts of work. He's the president of the Westmoreland Historical Society. So we're doubling down on historical wow. society people two weeks Love in it. a row. Great. Uh, he's here for a great conversation. We uh, we talked about lots and lots of stuff, and we do talk a bit of politics in that interview. So I didn't, I purposely didn't do any politics, but I just got to ask you guys a real simple question. Right now, state of national emergency. I don't know if you knew that. That's funny. Didn't so, you go golfing? <laughs> so on a personal level, how are you guys feeling? Are you scared? Are you startled? Are you a little bit frightened? Annoyed. <laughs> no, that's your level. Then there's Kevin. How about you? Are you feeling nervous during uh, this emergency? No, no, I'm not. I'm not nervous. Uh, not about the things that Fox News wants him to be nervous about. At least, I mean, got some concerns, certainly, but not the ones they think they should be. <laughs> Uh, I feel like uh, that. I don't want to talk too much about it because I've seen everyone have their their. Take. Everybody's got yeah, a take. Yeah. Everywhere. Uh, I mean, if I, you still need a take. If you're here now, you're listening to the show, <laughs> and you still need a take. You still need somebody to tell you what your opinion is. You are. You waited too long. How surprised were you though when it happened? 
I don't I know. What did, not at all. Because yeah, my no. stepdad was kind of surprised when he talked about it. That's he didn't because, think he that's was because do he's it. old. Yeah. And the old folks still think that things haven't fundamentally changed. Mm-hmm. You know that's what fair. I mean? That's a great point. Yeah, like they still can't believe what they're seeing in front of their eyes. Uh, all right, so that's it. We'll move on from that. Heather, can you smell uh, the crockpot in the kitchen? I thought I smelled it? something really yummy. What is it? The crockpot is crocking. What are you making, Kevin? Uh, some chicken. What kind of chicken? Mojito chicken. Mojito mm. chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather, I have a question for you. Tomorrow, I have to go to work. I have okay. to go to the Black River Outdoor Educational Program. I'm taking some kids cross-country skiing. Oh, yeah! I've never gone cross-country skiing. I today. What am I in store for? It's am I... Am I tired? Where are you going? We're going to Black River. You're going to be really tired and your legs are really going to hurt. Mm-hmm. It's where your arms. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes, yeah, you're going to be getting worked out there. <laughs> yeah, you're really you're getting worked cool with all these athletic tweens. You, you, you better look cool while you're doing it. Oh, no, man. No. You're don't wear tiny layers. Honestly, don't wear, don't wear like a Don't wear a ton don't of layers. Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to sweat in like the first night. Right? I actually looked up some stuff about that today about how to like not dress for the outdoors. I've been doing Also, Also, oh my God, don't wear cotton. Yeah, yeah, no cotton. No cotton. Like, I just wore, like, a shirt, a long sleeve, and, like, legging things. Leggings. Let's see. That's yeah. fair. Well, you're supposed to have, like, this thing. Good you want to have some stuff. circulation. Like, loose clothes is apparently good for yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. I can't yeah, tell all, you how excited I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just... All loosely fitting tunics with wizard We could have went together today. We could have gone. by myself. You went by yourself? Up north. That's my son good. was skiing. Mm. So I said, You might like cross-country skiing, actually. I think it's good. Because you like to run. I think you I think you would be a cross-country skiing guy. We did the snowshoeing last time we were up there, which is fine, but also kind of not as exciting as you... I don't know how what you expect snowshoeing to be I heard like. snowshoeing is a little bit hurting if you can't get, like, the old, like, real-style snowshoes. <laughs> yeah, I heard the all the new, yeah. like, uh, carbon fiber and, like, aluminum frame. It's not really the same thing. That's what I've read, but I, what do I know? I've been on snowshoes since I was a little kid. I don't trust a snowshoe. No chance. Not me. <laughs> no. Not me. Like we you just, have to get really big snowshoes. The biggest snowshoes. I wouldn't be able to walk. It'd be the size of large pizzas. Um, so, all right. This is the section of the podcast that I'm referring to. Oh, gosh. <laughs> as stuff I think we can talk about, but okay. not really. I'm not sure. So... Let's talk about. You want the good one or the bad one first? Ah, you you do. What are your thoughts? I think like bad news first. You bad do news it, first. You do it your way. Okay, so let's start with bad news first. For folks who listen to this show and follow Made in Utica, you've probably been aware that we were on WKTV on Friday, yeah. and uh, there's been uh, some some active Facebooking and social media campaigning going on for the last week or so. Um, it's been quite, it's been quite an interesting week, and I don't want to talk too much about it because there's. By the time we hear this, there'll be new information tomorrow about what's going on in the future of Handshake City. Um, so I don't want to talk too much about it. I will say it was nice to see everybody in Maiden Utica sort of working together on our end and sort of. Thing. We, I think sometimes with all of us, because we're all friends and we all have like lives and stuff, we it's easy for us to be off in our own directions, doing our own things. Mm. But sometimes when we're all sort of together <laughs> working on. Came- it's like an episode of Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's like, what it's reminded right me of. It, everybody just gave. Yeah, everybody's it like, awesome. going to save the park, like I fill wasn't... in the pit behind Ann Perkins' house. So there's a couple things that I don't want to say too much. But there's a couple things I know that did happen, and I guess you can talk. We can talk about them. A lot of our posts on Facebook disappeared. So a lot of people who shared our Facebook stuff over Friday and Saturday, like it all sort of vanished, and then came back. 
That's all we really know. It was super weird. Well, weird. no, it's not. No, we know somebody reported them. Somebody reported I mean, I don't, them. I don't know. I don't know what there is to play coy about. Like, if for them to get taken down, somebody has to report them. It wasn't nobody. Right. It wasn't them. nobody. Now nobody knows who that was, but it right. is a thing. That's that kind of where I'm sort of drawing the line. I, we have no idea. Like, right. I'm, but I mean, I'm not. I, I don't know. I'm not taking an attack where it's like, oh, it could have just been a. a, a you know, mix up in the algorithm. Nah. No. Nah. No, no, no. Nah. It does feel like somebody did not like like what we were saying. Did somebody get? Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe that's kind of good. That's maybe, great. It may, I, mean, I think this was a good thing that happened. That's great. I honestly. do too. I really do. <laughs> Try it again. Because we were kind of, I think the whole, everybody was dealing with this in silence about not being able to renew the lease and yeah. everything. And the fact that all these, this went out there like that, people became more aware of it and now yeah 100 percent. i can't tell you my messages i mm. have received over this and i'm not even like <laughs> so at the moment uh and this is just something i know on on our end one of our videos our handshake city video for the second time has been mm-hmm. sort of taken down the phase two planning phase... video for the plans for this summer yeah the yeah. new phase two handshake city video yeah the one with me my first it's... premiere of the mustache mm-hmm. my first video <laughs> uh so that one's down at the moment and i know that we're in like discussion with Facebook again, trying to get it back up. I don't even know if it's it'll up. Be back. It'll be back in an it'll hour or so, probably. But um, I bet you can still find it on our YouTube as well. Yeah. If not, by the time you hear this, you'll be able to. Um, so, but for all the folks out there who are great supporters, great friends of the pod, all the true believers out there, uh, a lot of folks have been reaching out and sort of asking, like, "Oh, what can we do to help? What can we do to help?" Nothing. Just keep sharing. Keep every time we keep, keep putting doing what you're doing. Keep doing yeah. what you're doing. Um, and come down and show support. Like when yeah. we when we win. When yeah. we win. When we win. Um, come down. You know, come down and, and do everything you can. Like, it's been... I, I know I've talked to almost everybody individually in the last, you know, couple of days. And everybody is pretty, as always, so humbled by the support of the community. Always. And it means so much to everybody. You know what I mean? Like, everybody... So, anybody who's out there sharing statuses, saying stuff, making phone calls, sending emails, whatever you might be doing... Every, you're very, very appreciated, and I hope that everybody who's doing that mm-hmm. knows that because I know it means a lot to everybody yes. on this side of the microphone and on you know this side of the team and whatnot. Yeah, we don't. You know, it's nice to not feel like we're yelling into the void and, and not getting anything in return. Like there's nobody out yeah. there. It's nice to know that people sort of respond and, and connect with what we're doing, not just here, but in general with Handshake City and Made in Utica and, and the show and just all our different avenues and everything. It feels good. Feels good. And all things considered, it was a wild weekend, sort of up and down weekend mm-hmm. for me. And um, yeah, so it, it, I'm, I'm humbled by the response. And all we you got. can say is you tell people, and this goes to a lot of stuff we talk about on a larger scale on this show, too. Um, all you can ask of people, and people say, what can I do? Keep paying attention. Yep. Mm-hmm. Keep paying attention, keep participating. Yeah. Uh, so you guys ready for the good news? Yeah. All right. So uh, again, I think I can talk about this because I got the letter in the mail about it. Uh, your boy. The host of our show, I've been, I'm being honored with an award, Woo! guys. Did you see this? I did. I have it's been, awesome. I have been named the, one of ten people in the class of 2019 for the Genesis Group of the Mohawk Valley Region's uh, Striving Annual Striving for Success Awards, honoring Mohawk Valley's premier young professional showcase. I'm wondering if they got. The wrong Sam Famolaro? Maybe no. they meant my dad. You think they meant your crazy cousin? <laughs> yeah, crazy he plays Sam. upright bass and delivers pizzas <laughs> yeah. and is like 40-something? I'm going to show up and they're like, you were supposed to be the entertainment. I'm like, oh! <laughs> oh Where's your upright bass and your leather jacket? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I was actually very pleased to look at the list of people who are going in. I know a lot of a lot of yeah, these yeah. folks who are out here. Shout out to GFOP Jill Real, who I've already hassled, uh, saying she has to sit next to me at mm-hmm. the event. Um, so yeah, that's Wednesday, March 20th. I don't... 
Please don't come out to this event because it's expensive for everyone to come out. And Everybody should go. Yeah, we all have signs outside for Sam. Uh, I have to say, and I was talking to somebody about this last week, and um, I don't really, I'm not like a big pat on the back type guy. Like I don't normally like like you know like to be made a right. fuss over. Sure. Um, I did not know that I was getting nominated. I knew that someone had nominated me for something. I know who that person right. was. I feel it in the air. I could feel it in the no, air. Someone, I, someone I woke up one day, I'm like, I've been nominated. <laughs> someone asked me for an email address. I can yeah. say it was Katie Jack Valley, my friend Katie. Uh, she asked me for an email address and then didn't tell me why. And she's like, do you want me to tell you why? I was like, no. <laughs> Don't tell me why. Because if you tell me what it is... Then I'll start like looking at it and being like, "What's this thing? Do I deserve it? What is yeah, it?" Yeah, you get stuff yeah. all gassed up about that. Yes, yeah, I'm a maniac. Yeah, so, you would be. Uh, <laughs> it would be wound like a top. Yeah, so now I gotta this go is sit a up nice there. Surprise. It is sort of a nice surprise. So thanks to thanks to the folks out there who seem to enjoy what we're doing. 191 yeah. straight weeks, still out here doing our thing. Always appreciate somebody helping us stat pad the resume for sure. Too. You know what <laughs> well, I mean? Like, you know what's weird? It's nice yeah. to have something. I, I can now. <laughs> actually change my Twitter handle to award-winning podcast you host St. Pamelaro. Because you have one oh, award. Geez. An award, yeah, it's yeah. true. Award-winning. That's going to be... As, as opposed to my currently <laughs> massive physical noggin that exists in real life. Ah, yeah. uh, I'm triggered. Uh, <laughs> all right, so, um, yeah, so those, that was bad news, good news, with stuff I wasn't sure that I can talk about. Like, I mean, it's not a big you deal. talk about whatever you want. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I have a couple other stories this week that I guess we could uh, we could knock through real quick. Did you guys? Uh, big story that's everywhere is Amazon HQ two is not coming to Long Island City in uh, in New York City. I've seen a lot of divided uh, discussion about this. Uh, I mean, a lot of the general discussion has been it's hard to find like lots and lots of like people for these like high salary tech jobs in one location. So going to a place like New York or a place that has an infrastructure mm-hmm. of like white collar workers is like makes it easier to find people. But as a guy who lived in New York and has been in Long Island City, I can't imagine like what it's going to do to the already like crazy housing costs and the mm-hmm. infrastructure problems. Mm-hmm. And I find it, and I don't know enough about like Amazon's tax stuff, but it always I feel like Amazon is like not paying taxes or on uh, it. Uh, yeah, they're not yeah. They paid, yeah, they paid zero dollars. Yeah. Zero dollars. Yeah, that they're actually I getting money like, back, like yeah. a ton of money back. Yeah. Billions. Uh, so I feel like that's been a story anyway. I don't know if you guys have any takes on Amazon coming or not coming. I did hear that, uh, I saw Anthony Pacenti was on the news the same day we were on the news saying that they sent like a letter to try and get Amazon to you. Back upstate, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, so you guys, what do you think? You ready for no, upstate Amazon? Treat, Amazon treats their employees terribly. There's no yeah, way there's to bring them here and pay less and treat their, I don't know, just, would it just, I don't be, want them here. You don't want. I feel like. No. Do you feel like people would want them here? If we found out that Amazon was coming to Utica, I don't know if like the general. Well, they better start researching about them and how they treat their employees then, because hmm. I think it's a terrible idea. Hmm. That's just me. Do you have any thoughts in on Amazon Upstate? Uh, I mean, <laughs> look, I don't buy it. I don't think that it's it would. Not if, they, if they, they it's not coming. Letter, well, right, yeah, that's what terrible. I mean. Like, what are you gonna? It's not even like it's, it's not even gonna happen. It's a, it's a fantasy land. <laughs> like that's just a nice little article to cut out in the OD for for. <laughs> Yeah. The people proposing it. Yeah. Well, for what? What are they going to do? It's stupid. It's it's, you stupid. know what it would be? It would be like that company. What was the company towards the end of Parks and Rec where that huge God. tech company showed up? Entertainment 720? No, oh, no, oh, no, Grizzle. no, no. Yeah, Grizzle. Grizzle. The big tech company. Are you really? Jesus. Yeah, I know. you do. you got to get it together. I have things to do. Like what? I don't know. Oh, a child. Please. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I'm bring my kid out in the cold every week. Yeah. 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 Because of me. 
I know. I'm just teasing. It was me too. Um, yeah, no, I don't think they're gonna. That, no, they're not coming. No, no, I don't think so either. Where? No. Where are you gonna put them? <laughs> you can put them up in that uh, nanotech building. North, yeah, it's true. Just slide them in it's there. It's the old GE building right over there by. Uh, yeah. Like, move them to like no the, move them to the Griffiths campus. Griffiths campus. Yo, send them to Griffiths. Yeah. Let Rome have them. Rome Sentinel. Maybe right yeah. Let's we'll let uh, yeah. Ron write the, write about this story. Talk to Ron. Have him set Amazon anyway, to Rome. So it's just worthless to even. Discuss. If Amazon comes up, say let him go to Rome. I think that's fair. And if you live in Utica and you want to work at Amazon, Rome's ten minutes on the the highway. <laughs> Uh, so a couple of quick stories before we go to break. Uh, this came out this week. Uh, this is from Jalopnik.com if you're looking for the, the where I got my write-up for it. Uh, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York is reporting that uh, 7 million Americans are more than 90 days past due on their car loans currently. Jeez, um, uh, I'm only one month behind, by the way. By the way. Uh, but historically, like uh, when people are behind on car loans, that's actually an indicator of larger uh, economic concerns. And auto debt in this country has been sort of climbing since like 2011. It's up to 5.8, no, 584 uh, billion dollars total in the United States. Uh, I lease my car, so that's uh, I'm I'm I know how that goes. That's a yeah. lease. I think yeah. Really? I think. Well, I mean, I'm leased to own. I'm like paying, I'm paying oh, off the car. Oh, so, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah so that's not a lease. Yeah, 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 I'm paying it off, right? Yeah. It feels like a lease because I don't own it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah but I'm saying, like, yeah, lease. I know I've seen that I, car I very poorly. Fuck, I would take you out in the yard. Put the belts in the Oh, you don't, you don't own your car, do you? Uh, well, the super, not the, yet. Not yet. Yeah, in like fifteen low. years. I tell them, I'm like, we had to treat this car well because it's Kaz's first car. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's true. My it's mom. Be his true. First car. I've seen those commercials as well. <laughs> <laughs> what was my? I'm trying to think of what my first car would have been had my mom's for. It would have been like a '92. Pontiac Grand Am. Okay, the car I remember that your parents those. had when you were born. Would be your first car? Is that the, yeah, the metric? Yeah, yeah, the metric. I'm trying to think, like, the car, like, this would have been Kevin's car. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm oh. trying to, yeah. My dad had, like, an old Ford, silver Ford truck, like, 1980-something. We, we had a wood-paneled Ford Windstar oh, back in the day, like, the wood-paneled van. Yeah. That was pretty bang. Oh. My dad had a black Jeep Cherokee when I was, like, three nice. or four. Yeah. I yeah, love like, the one old, of those old school. I want I look one. at them all the time. They're relatively cheap. The problem up here, because I had one They're for so a while. Rushed. And the problem is, yeah, they just the salt gets on them. I want. I take one over my car. I have now. I would. Mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah. Uh, they should sell those just bare bones. Yeah. For like, make it just like fifteen thousand dollars. Make it bare bones, same way it was in ninety yeah. four. Problem you can't now is safety restrictions are yeah. different. I so still, you know that's some of the reason you wouldn't be able to. But man, it'd be nice. I want one. Uh, also this week, after a long, protracted saga, the Colin Kaepernick versus the NFL collusion case came to sort of a. I don't, I don't want to call it an unsatisfying end. It seems like the end that was always probably coming, this sort of settle-out-of-court, non-disclosure agreement mm. sort of ending. Um, I guess my question is this. Have we heard the last of Colin Kaepernick after this settlement? Will he ever play in the NFL again? Uh, Parkinson's out in the green room. I've heard the Patriots are interested in Colin Kaepernick. Do you shift Colin Kaepernick to the Patriots, Kevin? Uh, no, he probably, <laughs> no, he probably, doesn't, he probably doesn't play again. No, I don't think it, it doesn't make any sense that he would so. play again. He's going to get a lot of money to do spots. I don't for think so. He'll find. He'll, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. got He'll do his his career will pivot to a different position. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even yeah. more so. Like, I mean, he could mm-hmm. a book deal would be a slam dunk. Yeah. He could make mm-hmm. you know twenty million dollars on a book tomorrow. 
I mean, this always, I don't think he can, though. Right? Like, can he talk about... Depends all, what, yeah, depends what he signed in the non-disclosure agreement, right? That's sort of yeah, the thing I mean, that you I... Don't, you don't have to talk about your yeah. specific collusion case, but right. people will read the book if you can't talk about the one four-month mm-hmm. period. You still got the rest of your story and your reaction yeah. to it. You add in a little bit of biography stuff, little stuff, me as a child, whatever, and when I think about the right. future, you sell that book. Mm-hmm. That's fair. You sell that book. I'll sell that book right now. If he needs an agent. Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> right. if you're listening, if you need an agent. <laughs> uh, and just a very quick uh, RIP this week. Uh, the NASA Opportunity Rover on Mars died Aww. after 14 years of service, 2014, uh, 2004 to 2018. 14 years. It was only supposed to be running for a couple months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was his last words? It's getting dark or something yeah, like that? Something sad. So yeah, sad. something like my battery is low and it's getting <laughs> yes. dark out. Yeah. Oh, this awful. Uh, NASA reported earlier this week that it, uh, after giving every reasonable effort to recover it, uh, it is no longer uh, feasible to continue efforts, and that's the end of it. Uh, it lasted four years longer than its twin, the other NASA rover, Spirit, which died in 2010. Mm. Uh, it is the longest span of any human-built robot to ever explore a world. That's a weird stat, but it's kind of a cool stat. Like, yeah, no, that's yeah. super cool. I mean, it's kind of a very specific mm-hmm. stat, right? Like how many world exploring? It makes me <laughs> that I always think that space stuff and like the different probes and NASA and the universe are infinitely fascinating and interesting. Oh yeah, I do. I wish that I would be able to be alive in a time where the tech was just a little bit okay. more advanced, yeah. so there mm-hmm. could be more of it. Yeah. And not even like I want to fly into space and like live like it's, Star Wars. No, but more. I'm but like I'm just saying, if you could, you know what I mean? If you could be booming probes all over and like you know fully like 3D mapping and getting like HD camera footage and just launch probes at will, it's gonna be an interesting time if yeah. we ever make it to that point. Um, yeah. So real quick, here's a trivia question for you: 14 years on Mars. What was the total distance traveled by the NASA Opportunity How rover? Fast was <laughs> That's a great question. It's a tough question. It's a rover. I, mean, I mean, like, oh. Numerous miles. It's a smaller number than I thought <laughs> it was going to be. Like a thousand. Okay. That's I know. That's all I got. Um, what if it was one that's 50, a mile? 50,000. 28 miles. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. 28. We feel like it's probably not going in like straight. You know what I mean? Like it's probably taking yeah. patterns. Yeah. I didn't find anything. <laughs> for something to last for 14 years on Mars and to send stuff back, it probably is only doing like so much per. Well, that's that's the other thing. Yeah. It's not just out here booming that's around the, the planet. Wild <laughs> right here, like, circumnavigating yeah, it's not, the globe. It's not a RC um, car. To that's anything. what I wish it was. Yeah, that's, I think that's the point I was making. Is well, I, I wish that it was found like, something. Yeah, just zooming around the world, around the world in 80 days. <laughs> yeah, it's not how it works. Um, See, that's why, like you said, so you send the rover, you send the robot. They're out there. They're like, yeah, we're on Mars. You know, we've looked around. Turned out there's nothing on Mars. It's like you only went 28 miles. Yeah. Well, all the places on Earth that you could drop a probe 28 miles, you'd see, you know, yeah, not, not very much. Just trees and alligators. Sahara <laughs> Desert. Oh. Like, yeah. There you go. That's where they are. But to be fair, if yeah. you saw some trees and alligators on Mars, you'd be going, wow, bananas. Yeah. That's true. Uh, all right, so that's it. Let's get into this week's interview. Uh, I'm gonna try and say his name correctly because he. I had it wrong in my head when he first said it. It's Ron uh, Kopfenstein, I think is how he said it. Again, he'll say it correctly at the beginning of the interview, but Ron and I had a really great conversation. Ron is, uh, much like a lot of people uh, in in media and in journalism, whatever you want to call it, uh, he wears a lot of different hats. President of Westmoreland Historical Society. He writes for the Clinton Reporter. He writes for the Rome Sentinel. And he does his uh, specific Be More Westmoreland campaign. Uh, so we had a lot of conversations today about uh, politics, uh, about uh, LGBT rights, about civil rights. He was at a protest today before he came here, so we talked about right. that. Oh, nice uh, story, yeah. Yeah, so, oh, I saw that. yeah, yeah, he was down there for that. So, uh, 
Really great Twitter guy. We talked about social media. A lot of stuff we got into, so really great conversation. Uh, let's just get into it. Our conversation with Ron. Back to the show in just a moment. I've said this before. I do not know what a podcast is. I've never heard of the show. Oh, I do. They're here right. because they either know me and Utica, or yeah. they know us from somebody else, or yeah. we yeah. follow them on social media, or whatever it is. And right. you, you sort of meet people in that in that realm. So there's really no yeah. pressure on me to be quote unquote like good at my job. Right. But when people like you who actually like pay attention to the show <laughs> and have, like interact with us on Twitter, I feel like I have to be more. Uh, oh. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Ron, I want to thank you for uh, for coming on. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Uh, I you were just down in Oneida Square. Is that where this... I was? I was down with Indivisible Mohawk Valley. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I I covered the uh, the uh, No Wall No Way protest. Okay, so this was a wall rally. This is what this was for. I saw you talking about it, but I didn't get a chance to read more about it before you were coming in. So. It was. It was actually uh, to protest the emergency deck. Emergency yeah. declaration to say that you know yeah. this is not an emergency. No, I mean he said it wasn't an emergency while he was declaring it was an emergency. Exactly. He said it right, wasn't right. an emergency, and he went golfing too this weekend. So. How was the turnout? I feel it's a little crummy. It's cold. It was great. There yeah. was over seventy people. Awesome. So awesome. pretty good. How did you uh, do? You do work with Indivisible uh, MV in the past? Is this a company that you deal with? Or well, I'm a member. Oh, it's, member. Okay. It's, cool. it's it's an organization. Oh, nice. So, All right. right. How long have you been so, doing uh, Indivisible MV? Uh, MV? I have been involved with the people in the in that movement since 2017, since the beginning of the Trump presidency, mm. and since the beginning of um, Tenney mm. being in office. I was at the first <laughs> Tenney protest and the first Trump protest, and actually, it mm. kind of just in, the indivisible thing kind of evolved from the people that were involved in that, and it's grown and grown. And even though, you know, we've got in. Um, our man Anthony Brindisi in office, it's still stronger than ever. And as you can see today, during the middle of a snowstorm, there's a huge crowd in Oneida Square. What I find interesting about the the whole thing too is upstate New York is such an interesting place for politics, right? Yeah, uh, I, I spent enough time in New York City where, I mean, if I had voted. Republican in New York City, I would literally have been the only person in my voting block. Right, like there, it's a certain aspect of just like no one is voting on, on right. one side down there. Right, but really in Utica, I feel like Utica, upstate New York in general, in a county, you do sort of get these sort of splotches here and there of of just small packets, and you never really know what you're going to get. Which I feel like leads to some of the contention I've seen sort of in social media around here uh, at local events. There does seem to be because people have a wide this area breathes a sort of a broad concept for what we see as ourselves. You know what I mean? It does. I think what's different now is that people that are progressive and that actually are more actively on the Democratic side are 
more inclined now to organize oh, and yeah. to speak up and to do stuff where in the past we never really had any organization to motivate us or any mm. kind of coordination. And I think that's what's changed. I think it's a very moderate area. And I think yeah. of myself actually as a moderate person. Uh, yeah. I was mostly at this rally because I want to write a story about it for next week's sure. for the Clinton record. Yeah. I want to get some photos and stuff. So I think too the other one is, you know, and, and say what you say what you will about Trump. I'm openly on this show not a supporter of him, mostly because am I. I am old enough <laughs> from an era to remember when he was not even like considered like the apprentice guy, like he was right. on professional wrestling. Yeah, I, I just can't take him seriously. Yeah. But I, I do think that if if there is one thing that we will take away as a as a future history teacher, I think the thing that I will take away from these last few years and hopefully the future is sort of in a, a reawakening of people's political sort of activism. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and I hope right. that that continues. It's exciting. Going forward. Yeah, I hope so. People at least just pay attention or are aware Absolutely. of what's going right. on. Yeah. I really think that it will because being involved in this movement has uh, the people who have been doing this and been going to these protests have become friends. Mm-hmm. We've become very tight knit. We've become or- organized. And it is exciting. And um, it's only growing. There's no there's no sign of that it's even peaked. So, yeah, I think that people will stay very involved. Uh, it's great to be involved, you know. I mean, no matter how cold it is, I th- or what the weather's like. We've been out there in the rain. We've been out there in blizzards. We've been out there. The last one that I went to, it was uh, when they sat the new Congress in January. It was oh my gosh, it was like zero degrees out. But we were out there, and it's and it's so exciting and so American yeah, and yeah. so democrat, you know, so democracy de- mm. democratic yeah. that. It makes you just want to be more involved and more informed and more outspoken. I was actually, I go to D.C. Uh, once a year because I work for an education program. We take uh, kids down there every year. Uh-huh. And um, and that's sort of the thing that I take away from my trips to D.C. now. Because it's hard to go to Washington, D.C. and not, like, try and be political. Right. But what you sort of have to do more than anything else is try to ignore the the current scope of politics right. and sort of think about this area as a place where so many things have happened historically. You're like, wow, this is where Martin Luther King gave the I Have a Dream speech, right? Like those right. sort of things exist in like little steps everywhere around that city. And that's sort of the part that's exciting for me when I go there now. Right. Is that right. sort of what I have to lean into. Right. I really hope that this yeah. is part of a long-term social change where people will become more awakened in their in their responsibility to be part of their democracy. It's mm-hmm. not just something we should watch on the news. It's mm-hmm. something that we all should be a part of. Mm-hmm. Not just voting, but informing ourselves. And in between the elections, making our voices heard. Uh, Ron, say your last name correctly before I butcher it for the rest of this interview for the people out it's there. It's Kloffenstein. Kloffenstein. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I, I screw, don't get her. That's it, okay. I, I screw up Heather's name on the podcast. And she's a regular <laughs> part of the show, and she gets mad at me every week. I totally uh, understand. Ron, it's a pleasure to have you on here. We've had a nice little uh, active Twitter uh, engagement over the last year and a half or so. And I, I love Twitter. So yeah, you know, Twitter's. And we're gonna get yeah. into social media because I think social media is a really interesting place to be, especially if you are an English major or someone who got into journalism Absolutely. growing up. But I want to start a little bit there because I did a little bit of my research before sure. we came in here. Uh, Ron, you are initially born and raised in Westmoreland, initially? Uh, initially, and yeah. still, still am. Still there, 50, okay. 50, 50 years later. And I, I actually, let me tell you this, I actually live on the road I grew up on. Oh, wow. I actually live on 
the house they built with my partner is actually next door to the house I grew up oh, in. <laughs> so it's the old family farm. So I have I have strong roots in Westmoreland nice. and on even on my road. <laughs> it's funny. I'm actually so. currently right now in the location where you are, which I won't yeah. share to the general public. Uh-huh. We are. <laughs> I think two streets away from where I grew up. So I've also, so you know yeah, that, yeah. Yes, you know what it's like. I mean, yeah. I moved to Brooklyn and then came back to South Utica. Like, I was yeah. like, all right, I'm, if I'm going to come back to Utica, I'm going to live specifically in this area right. that I love because it's right. like my nostalgic area. That's uh, how I feel too. But you, sp- you stayed in Westmont all the way from uh, elementary school through MVCC? Well, I mean, from birth to now. So right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. I mean, school-wise, though. You didn't go to another... You didn't no, go- I went to um, I went to Westmoreland, of course. Right, okay. Then I went to MVCC, got my associates, then SUNY IT to get my bachelor's. You had quite a I run. I went to State College to get my <laughs> master's degree in English. Then I was going to um, Capella to get a doctorate Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Then I was sick for 15 years with chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, wow. Really? So I had been, uh, I was a full-time disability rights advocate. I was an adjunct teacher of English mm. at MV and at HCCC. Mm. And I founded an organization, kind of like this in a way, called Planet Utica. Planet Utica. And we built a TV stu- TV studio, and we produced television shows. Where did you guys have the studio? It was on uh, Genesee Street in the DeSales building. In oh, the okay. top floor, we wow. had a whole television studio, oh, and we I were on TV this. for 10 years, and we had a website hmm. in the early days of the internet then i suddenly became sick and i was disabled for 11 years is it chronic fatigue syndrome chronic fatigue syndrome it was sudden onset and then when i started to recover i went back to college so now i'm working on my second master's Mm. to be uh in teaching to Mm. be a full-time high school teacher i can teach college and i do i teach english at utica college yeah yeah i was gonna ask you about that actually but i want to get a license to teach high, high school as well so, uh, I want to dig into all of these things, but uh, I have a <laughs> This couple... is my 15th year of college, <laughs> yeah, no, which I'm... is like way too much. I say if, this all the time. If, if you ask me. <laughs> Every time I finished a uh, like a, a milestone in college, got yeah. my associate's degree, I was like, no more. I'm that's done. That's it. Too, right? <laughs> yeah. Then I went back. Bachelor's degree. Okay, I'm done. Right. That's it. No more. <laughs> now I'm back. Bachelor's degree. Then yeah. I'm going to get done. and be like, that's it. No more. Somehow I'll get dragged. Every time I finish a paper, I'm like, no more. No more. Please. <laughs> Um, I have a couple quick questions about sure. uh, that I wanted to get uh, through here before I forget. Um, of course. So, here's my little Westmoreland section. Yeah. Founded in 1748 by James Dean. Uh, your current uh, population is about 6,138, which is actually the highest total population it's ever had. It's actually a big town. Ta- well, big geographically. Yeah, yeah. And pretty big um, population-wise, too. Did you... Uh, so, I grew up... In Utica, like in South yeah. Utica, you know, Utica has like sixty-two thousand people. Right. Um, you know, even even at as large as it is now, you're talking about six thousand people in in Westmoreland. That's yeah. still a smaller community in terms of interaction. Like, what was? Did you sort of know everyone in your community? What was it like, sort of growing up in that size community in that sort of environment? Oh well, yeah. I mean, growing up, I obviously knew the people I went to school. Yeah. But like I said, it is a pretty big town. And then actually. Two years ago, I took a break from school and I ran for town council. Now, I didn't win, but doing that gave me a sense of actually how big the town is and how many people I don't know. Mm. So, but as a result of that running for office, um, the room center contacted me and mm. said they were starting a, new, a newspaper 
and asked me if I wanted to write a column for it. So okay. the idea was I would try uh, to write like one a month or one yeah. every other week, but it just kind of like really took off and became this huge thing. So now I pretty much am the commentary page on the Rome Sun and uh, the Clinton and when record. Did you, when did you start with Rome Sun? Um, I started that. We'll see. Let's see. I ran for office in 2017, and then that ended, you know, on mm. election night, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was about last year. Actually, I'm coming up, coming up on my first year at the Clinton Record. Oh, very nice. But you know, the thing is, I fell into that, and that's done so well, and that's actually the best possible role for me in really? that in that town because I love media, mm. I love PR. I get to go out there. I get to focus on the things I want to focus on, the things I care about. Every week I go out and meet a new bunch of people or the same people I already know just doing new things, organizations, churches, sports teams. And it's very creative to get to write about, get to the heart of what people are about. Do you have uh, like autonomy on what you choose to write? Like you yeah. walk in and just say, here's the story we're doing this week. That's got to be a nice feeling. The only thing we've ever, the only thing that's ever come up is I wrote a column back in the, I everything I write is always, usually, is, is always positive. I write about things that I like, people that I like, things I want to promote. Mm-hmm. In the summer, I wrote one column. It kind of like, we're on a collision course with Tenny, and I interviewed her. Oh, yeah. And I wrote a column about her and the things that she told me in this interview, I knew were false, yeah. and I knew were def- def- were defaming people like Indivisible, yeah. and other politicians. So I wrote it. I spent two weeks to interview the people that she talked about, and I carefully constructed a yeah. column that kind of took down whatever she said. So that was a big controversy at the time. Yeah. So what we decided upon is when I write about politics, because it's a newspaper column, mm-hmm. I just don't put myself into it. Yeah. Often in my columns, I talk about, because it's a column, you know, I talk about me, things I do, things I like, what I feel about stuff. If I interview, like, say, Brindisi, who I like very much, oh, yeah, I, he's a great I, guy. I just don't use words like, I asked him. I'll just, like, say, I just yeah. write more as, like, a straight newspaper. Sorry. You know, I enjoy, well, no, I think that's a great point, too, because it's, I think that what happened to me over the years, right, is doing yeah. the show for 191 episodes, we've had, we had, I call him Tony now because I'm a jerk and it makes people angry. I had a congressman Dissy on yeah. uh, three or four times, I want to say. Oh, and, isn't great. And inherently, yeah. just automatically, it's like, oh, you're a shill. And I'm like, look, I, oh, I mean, it is, it is what it is. Like, right. I, I, right. I know that this is a... I'm, I'm not a jerk. I'm not a trained journalist. I'm a guy in his living right. room who puts this out <laughs> because I like to talk right. about my community and I like yeah. to be involved, right? But, right. you know... People could have gone to interview themselves if they wanted to just call them. It wasn't like I had to go out of my way. Exactly. And I don't feel bad, especially on this format, sharing my views that I believe he was a better choice. And, right. you know, I think I've, I don't know if I've told this story on the show before. You know, we we talked about Claudia a lot in this show because yeah. I did not agree with a lot of what she did. Nor did I. Um, I went to D.C. with last year before the election for work with a group of students uh, and... Claudia came out to meet our group because she, through work, knew my boss's boss or whatever. So she came out to give yeah. a, you know, a, a little speech in front of the kids. The right, kids are standing right. on the steps of Congress, yeah. and there's and there's Claudia, and she's sitting there and she's talking, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, don't say anything, don't just just let her, don't just do her, let her do her thing, let her do her thing, and it was fine, it was all good. Yeah. And then right at the end, she's like, and just remember, 
not to trust the media. And I was like, there it is. I was like, there's, there's right, what I was waiting right. for, right? I was right. like, everything you said before that was fine. It was yeah. like, you know, be active in local politics. Exactly. Uh, you know, start at the local level. She always had to get that little dig in. That yeah, I never understood. <laughs> I never understood that either. When I went to speak to her, it was yeah. on, it was really a hot summer day. I went yeah. in there. Uh, I met her in her office. She was initially mm-hmm. so friendly and so gracious. It made such a good impression on me. But within five minutes, she was literally insulting me. And yeah. within seven minutes, she was saying stuff that I knew was not true yeah. and was damaging to other people. And it becomes so, a struggle. And it's like, why do that? And it becomes a struggle because if you talk about that it's a lie, people were like, oh, no, you're just... You're, so what right? I did is yeah. I actually went... I actually tracked down, I actually found proof that each thing was a lie. So there wasn't me just saying this isn't true. Well, that's important. So, but yeah. Even that, though, sometimes like, we get to a point where it's like, well, I have this list of facts. I right. have this right. thing. And people are like, ah, I don't, I don't buy it. Right? Like, it, we've gotten I'm sure there were some people yeah. that thought that, you know. And when it comes to Brindisi, I have no secrets that I am just unambiguously a supporter. And I really like um, him. And, and like I said, you know, I am a newspaper cop. I'm, I'm, I'm a columnist i'm not i do sometimes write just flat out stories like yeah, yeah sure but with the column it is my opinion so no i think with you know and that's a funny part i do too. try to back it up though sure you know, i mean and i do back it up mostly. i would and i would sit here and say right now that if brindisi in congress yeah. decided he was going to do something that i didn't like or i didn't think was in line with what he said he was going to do right i don't feel like i would sit here and placate him i mean yeah. i Honestly, I've tried to kind of stay away from him since he's been yeah. in office because I want to see what he's doing before I just start right, like covering right. every single thing he does. I have yeah. other things to cover, but you know, I, I'd like to think that my relationship with him wouldn't stop me from being objective if he did something I didn't like. Now we'll right. see what happens going forward, but I really enjoy I'm talking. I'm not really to him. sure how I would feel how I would handle that. I'd, it's interesting. I don't know, I, <laughs> but I do like It'd be the tough, fact I liked him a lot. And I am proud of the fact that I actually interviewed people from both sides. Yeah, you know? I should have. I should have interviewed Claudia. I just. I couldn't. Well, no, I mean, I wasn't not necessarily. Broad. I, I meant Republicans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are many Republicans. <laughs> most Republicans in this area, I like to. I'm a big fan of Joe Griffo and Griffo. I, I actually just ran into. Um, a friend of Anthony Pacenti's, and I'd like to actually talk to him just because I see him at so many events. Right. He's another guy who's not necessarily on my... Well, and this actually ties into something that I think ties into Brindisi as well, right? Yeah. One of the things I think that Brindisi did the best with this region, and this is going to skew into a local versus national politics argument, mm-hmm. he ran an election f- to win a local election in upstate New York. He didn't yeah. run a national... Right. Uh, political campaign to win the 22nd district, which yeah. was smart. There are people in the 27th, even our district, I'm a pretty progressive guy, right. but I also understand that we live in a pretty moderate, pretty centrist district. Right, right. He ran the campaign to win in this district, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't expect him to be as leftist as Alexandria no, Cortez or something, be. right? Like, right. it's not, it wouldn't work here, right? Right. And that wouldn't appeal to people. So you, I think that that's where the local politics, and if that's one thing I really would like to see really become a thing going forward yeah. is less people paying attention to what Trump is doing and more people voting in local elections. That would be my one takeaway. <laughs> I really admire the fact that he's so moderate and I really yeah. truly mm-hmm. admire the way that he represents ev- everybody in his district. Even people that who's uh, who are far more to the right than I would be. He, he mm-hmm. does find oh, yeah. a way to represent us all. So I think that's really, really great. Um, one of my best stories, by the way, oh, yeah, of the... Yeah. Uh, the Trump protest in, in Genesee Street because 
I think I was the only person who who covered it. I covered it in oh, the yeah. column from a perspective of being being a, a progressive, mm. and I think I filled in a lot of gaps that wasn't in the local media. I think a lot of local media, and I'm not criticizing them, but I do think that they missed some of the scale of just the, I mean, there were like 2,000 of, of us. So Damn. I was able to talk about that, the fact that there were 2,000 people protesting by talking to the people who actually did the count. I think early on, people were not ready to take hard line stances. At least early on, I felt like there was this initial rush. We can get into like the journalism discussion in general and the way it's changed. Yeah. But I do think that there was a time early on, especially before Trump was elected, where it's like, we got to kind of give him the chance to do his thing because that's the way yeah. this process works. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, like it seems silly that we did that, but like that we didn't like, this guy's a t- television star. He's racist. I right? actually like, think <laughs> I, I went to my first Trump protest in November of 2016, yeah. so I didn't give him too much time. We because <laughs> I knew what he was going to be like, you well, know. So it was in Clinton. I remember that it was actually 2016, and it was right after the election. There was that was the first time I'd ever been to a political protest. Yeah. I think in my life. So this whole thing about going to these protests <laughs> is relatively new for me. It's actually only about two and a half years. I it's new for a lot of us, I think, in this area. The one that really got me was doing the Maiden Utica thing. We went and covered uh, John Kasich when he came to MBCC. We went mm-hmm. and did the the video work for it. And then I didn't go to Rome when Trump came to Griffiths, but some of the Maiden Utica guys went. Yeah. And, you know, they went to the Trump one first, and then some of those crew went to the, the Kasich one, and I went to work that one as well. Yeah. And it, it just... <laughs> It was it was wow. wild. It was a wild yeah. difference to go from one to the other, where you know one of them is actively saying that you know journalists are the enemy, and the other oh, yeah. was the only Republican on the thing. Where I was like, you know, I could see voting for this guy. He seems like a rational guy, and I think that for actually, Kasich, you mean. yeah, yeah, for yeah, Kasich, right. and I think that that actually spoke to a big shift for what we thought. I think Kasich would have been yeah. the guy. Four years ago, like they would have looked yeah. at this guy, like yeah, a rational centrist kind of. Right. Guy. He was not a force of personality. He yeah. never would have won. Yeah. But he also didn't tell his supporters to turn around and flip off the camera people in the right. back, which is a right. very strange. Which is scary. Theme. Yeah, it's scary. I find it scary. Mm. It, but one of the things about, I mean, I'm sure that was really um, something else to be there at the airport when he when he yeah. arrived. But being in downtown Utica that day, yeah, yeah. that was the place to be because there were 2,000 of us. You could not get mm. through the sidewalk on our side of Genesee Street. Mm, yeah. The crowd stretched all the way from the um, bank, uh, from the state office building down almost to um, almost to Risky Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was a beautiful thing. It's just this like uproar of people, different Groups, different minority groups, different interest groups, all standing together to oppose this and to oppose her. And then what was really on top of that to make it even better, there was almost like an after party later on when we all went to uh, the Brindisi Brindisi fundraiser. And we paid $10 for his where she was charging people $15,000. So it was like a day that you felt like you were really experiencing what America is all about. It's about people, not the rich, you know, wealthy, you know. Our joke on the show here was It was a beautiful day for this country, I thought. Oh, and I think it was too. And I think our joke on the show that day was that we, when when the election was ended, Yeah. 
we kind of got robbed the joy of enjoying it because the Claudia Brindisi election dragged on for another like five or six weeks. That's true. And we, and we were so gun shy yeah. to like talk about. Mm-hmm. I did not want to come on here the next B and D. Like we did it, and then wait inevitably well, for the, the. I had a good feeling, so I talked about it. I, 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 I was at the uh, whatever they call the Radisson now. The hotel. The Delta Hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was there. Shout to Christine I was, Gonzalez. I was. <laughs> I was there that night, and uh, it was just it was just amazing. And yeah, yeah. Uh, the the next day I had to work, but you know, I'd be there at school at seven thirty seven forty five in the morning. But I was still there at uh, till like one o'clock in the morning. And oh yeah, the electricity of that room it was mm. just I mean it was amazing because you know what was so good about it is that it was such a nice feeling because the first time in, that I'd been involved in this sort of thing. The good guys won. It felt like, it was like it didn't wow, really feel like. <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, this can actually democracy can actually work. You, you felt mm-hmm. like it was like an amazing breakthrough. I always my only and here's the cynic in me, right? Because yeah. I felt that way too, and I feel that way when like things happen and they go our way, and yeah, and, you know, if like a uh, sudden you know uh, racist ruling gets knocked down the Supreme Court, I'm like, good, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. But I also think to myself that this is kind of how Trump got in, right? Because yeah. you look at the eight years of Obama, and I was a big right. Obama guy, and it's like, yes, yeah. I like this guy, you yep. know, gay rights, of course, and, me too, and, yeah, you know, gay rights, yeah. and like you know, minority rights, and yeah. health insurance, and all this kind of stuff. And it felt like we were moving in the right direction. But for every right. person like myself who felt like we were moving in this positive direction, there's probably yeah. somebody on the side who goes, "What's going on in this right. country that right. I, doesn't look like my?" So yeah. I think that you do sort of get this sort of algorithm all the time that we yeah. fight against each other. If you lose, you're inherently digging in to Motivated. fight harder the next time, yeah. right? There's this sort of self-fulfilling like prophecy that exists, right? right? right. And that's what scares me is like, you know, we like, all oh, the Democrats, like, oh, there's going to be a blue wave. If the Democrats really want to be successful, it's got to yeah. be a blue wave every election cycle for the next it does. T- 10 cycles almost, right? It like, does, you really... Right. Right. I, I get concerned, especially with as a like a Democrat since high school because I wanted to vote in the primaries. Right. I get concerned that Democrats in general start to be like, ah, we got it, we fixed it now, and then right, and then don't do anything. I for it. don't think we're going to feel like that. No. until we get the White House back. But I, I certainly no, I think you're right. We can't get complacent. Yeah. Uh, let's move away from politics for a second because okay. I do have some questions I wanted to I, ask. I you have a lot of interest. <laughs> um, and so, honestly, my column usually is about I maybe write like one political thing a month, and I just because I'm, I'm interested in so in so many things. You know and actually, it's the people that aren't well known mm-hmm. that are the most interesting. You no, know, it's true. And uh, you get, actually, I think your most recent article is the article you did about Callahan Marshall. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's up on Callahan your Callahan Marshall, that's up who, your who right is now. well well known, but the mm-hmm. side of her her life, this family life yeah. with her with her sister, who has a rare genetic, you know, yeah. uh, dis, a disorder, mm-hmm. that is something people don't really know about, and it's actually the most inspiring thing about her. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's just, I had a wonderful time with her and her mom and her sister, and. To see how, like, you can have things go against you, but still have a great, joyful, happy, optimistic, positive life. So Let me ask you this question. You went to uh, college for creative and technical writing. You went to Empire State College. You've done all sorts of writing and journalism. Was there any particular... No, actually, journalism's new. Journalism's new. Uh, no, I mean, actually, yeah. I'm just coming on my first year of this, so... Well, I guess, uh, was there any sort of authors or writing in general that you remember latching on to early on? Like, what was an early inspiration for you that was like, I want to write? It could have been anything, I suppose. Well, let's see. What would have made me want to write? Um, hmm. 
I always say, because for me, I have like a Stephen King tattoo. So I think this whole, all my all my writing always goes back to like reading Salem's Lot when I was like 14. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's a good question. That's a good question. Mm. I'm not really sure. I think I was more of a TV fan. So Was there like a TV person you like? Was there like a like, or a character well, or someone you like? Back in the 90s. Well, I did do a column before, back in the mm, 90s, sure. the OD, about, mm. about gay rights. Mm. And so that was kind of ground, groundbreaking for the time, 1991 to about 2000. Yeah, exactly, for sure. And at the time, I know I was very inspired by the, the uh, there was a big push in television then for yeah. these females to be empowered in shows like Designing Women. Designing Women. Brown. Yes. And, you know, I actually like Designing It breaks my heart to <laughs> say this. Show. Oh, I loved it. Linda Bloodworth Thomason. Yeah. I mean, she used it to like, make her points and mm-hmm, say sure. stuff and it all these shows began actually during the first bush presidency yeah so they were in response to the oppression of mm-hmm. the re, you know the republican yeah. of the time but in like i said it, it breaks my heart to say this but roseanne was a you know a hero of mine in the 90s um and I'm with I, you actually i i, I struggle I, with that i am <laughs> crushed i don't struggle with how i felt yeah. about her then because yeah. she was a different person show was different then time was different what she came us. back and did, you know, she had won me over. And actually, my class at yeah. Utica College, we watched the show together. I had them write mm. about it. We explored the different sides of it. And uh, it really broke my heart that she went so far off the deep end and did such a hateful thing and ruined her career. And oh, yeah. And really, in some ways, destroyed the legacy. So No, no it's true. And I, I grew up... You know, she parents. was a different person okay. in the 90s. I grew up as a child of divorce, right? And um, I remember, you know, we spent a lot of time, me and my sisters and my mom or my dad, yeah. and, you know, eating dinner, watching TV. And Roseanne was, at the time, really the only show that sort of looked like a real family. Right? That, that talked right. and sort of acted like people right. you knew. And I think what happened is, it happens all the time in television, people took that concept and expanded on it in different ways. You have like modern oh, yeah. shows like Blackish or Modern Family or the Fresh middle. Off the Boat or yeah, The Middle yeah. or all these like all these shows that sort of do the same kind of thing. Right. Now when Roseanne comes back it seems like well we already a lot of shows already do this, you know, like now so I think they right. would have had to double down and actually a couple and of weeks ago it wasn't so much the show, it was her. No, know, it's true. And, and I mean, a couple of weeks ago, so. I don't know if you listened to our episode with Ryan Kemp who was on here about 2 weeks ago. Ryan oh. is a uh uh, he worked on that season of that show, and really? he talk, yeah, yeah. He talks a lot about. Um, you mean the last season that just not like, the Connor season, the okay. Roseanne season, and he was that, in the, he was, did back in the spring. Yeah, yeah. He was in the writers' wow. room uh, when Norm Macdonald was there. He he talked a lot about that. So if folks want to listen to that. Uh, there was some yeah, talk about I'll that have on to there. Listen to that. But he, I thought it was a good show when it came back, yeah. and I thought she had gotten a grip of her. I know she had problems, and I thought she had gotten a grip of her anger and her darkness, but. Mm. Obviously, she didn't, and ABC did the, made the right call. I think they know, did too. So. And I love John Goodman, so I always give. John I do love. And, and <laughs> actually, I enjoyed the Connors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, at first, you know, it, you, you feel someone missing, but you know that's that's to be expected. But it's um, but it's too bad because she was a hero of mine in the '90s. She was feminist, and she spoke out about women's rights. She spoke about gay rights, and she mm-hmm. put gay people on her show, which shows weren't doing at the time. And she was all about the progressive ideals and workers rights and every cool thing you could be she she was and then it's very unfortunate uh i want to ask you a question about social media here uh, you have a great social media follow you're on uh, twitter at uh, b more westmo um yes. and i'm sure you're on facebook and stuff as well i have to get my be links more and stuff, so on facebook too yeah, yeah. yep um social media has been a big 
shifting point in yeah. terms of how we sort of communicate with people. Uh, yeah. You sort of leaned into it a bit. Do you do you feel like we're in a better place now because of social media in terms of the way we can share stuff at least? Or do you feel like there's probably a, a give and take with it? Some of us are in a better place and yeah. some of us are in a worse place. <laughs> I think you just have to be really responsible and understand, especially if you have, like I do, a public Facebook page. Yeah, especially if you're on Twitter. Well, it doesn't seem... It doesn't that, seem purposeful to have a private one if you're going to be the kind no, of person we are, right? right? You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah, like, I, as I long as you keep in mind that like everybody could see this mm-hmm. and everybody could use anything you said against you and just to be be responsible. And I do think that... I, I wonder though, and, and I'm a... I, I know I've been on Twitter for 10 years. So, so have I, I and believe. I, I wonder though, do we give too much credit to like what people said five or ten years ago on Twitter, right? Like, if someone said something stupid ten years ago, right. depending on how old they are, I guess it depends on how old you are. If you're 60 and you said it ten years ago, you were still yeah. 50, right? Right. right? I guess, like, where's the divide? Like, Because I know a lot of my dumb college kids and high school kids mm-hmm. say stuff on Twitter. I'm yeah. like, you should be careful about what you say you on here because it right. lasts forever, right? I think you have to take into account the age. And I also think you have to take into account whether what they said was stupid or was it hateful and yeah. ugly mm-hmm. and violent yeah. and dangerous? Because there is a difference. Like what Kevin Hart said, I don't think is forgivable. And mm-hmm. I'm glad he's not going to yeah. be on the Os- yeah. Oscars. Because you don't talk about beating up your kids because they're gay and yeah. then expect that, oh, it was five years ago. It doesn't make it. Difference. Yeah, what changed in five years? Did you change your mind that quick? I don't, I don't buy it. And I mean? the fact that you would say that and put mm-hmm. that out there to your followers, I think as long as you remember that, everything you're saying, people may... People... They take what you're saying ser- seriously yeah. and do it. I think especially as a teacher, it's important too. Yes. So. It's, I mean, as a teacher... So you, I always try to be really positive and promote things that are positive. Now, you know? I, I want to ask you a question about this. Your Twitter profile, uh, you call yourself an English teacher, a newspaper columnist, a civil rights activist, and a charming gay country boy. I want to and ask a you, lifelong fan of General Hospital. Oh, we're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you... Can't miss that part. You know, you are... Uh, I'm just assuming based on our conversation, you're probably... A little bit older than me, but not too much older than me. In I terms. just turned fifty. Yes, you're a little bit older than me. A little bit, probably. But you're you you grew up in this area. Yeah. In a generation when being uh, a, a a gay man was probably oh, yeah. not as accepted right. as it is today. Like I grew up. Absolutely. Cis- I grew. I was born in '86, so mm-hmm. I'm 33. Oh, so you are a while younger. I'm 69. So my my sister was 10 years older than me, mm-hmm. and she was in musical theater. So yeah. when I was younger, and she was in high school. All the musical theater kids would hang out at my house, and I, yeah. I was around a lot of diverse kids even then. And I right. always credit that at you know at seven, eight, nine years old, being around these people and not really understanding the concept of what it meant to be gay or, or lesbian right. or queer or whatever. You know? mm. And now I think that that affected my ability to be like, yeah, I don't. So what? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter to me. Like whatever yeah. makes you yeah. happy. But I also had that experience early in my life, and that was probably important. That someone, my sure. older sister, someone was like, "Whatever, people are just what they are." Like, don't. Right. Right. Was there someone in your life who who gave you like, um, like who gave you that sort of feeling? It's okay to be who you are, or did you sort of have to hide and keep? That no, to there wasn't, and I did have yeah. to hide it. And act, and act, and actually, the way that I came out to people was literally on the pages of the Sunday Observer mm-hmm. Dispatch. Wow. So it was kind of like a <laughs> groundbreaking thing. When did that It was my first column. That was 1991. It was 91. July 5th, 1991. I wrote my first column for the OD about being gay. And, um, did you get blowback from that? For Not many from people, that was the first 
people knew that I was or that they, I was the first person I think to do that it's a very public way then from then on I wrote a column about once a month did you get any oh yeah really? I mean, I, there was a lot of hate yeah, I was I was, absolutely you know huh. people would call and people would send me nasty mail <sighs> terrible this was before I can't imagine what it would have been like then if social media existed then mm-hmm. but it didn't so I just have you noticed and I guess but it's so, a lot different now of well course. that's what I, I guess it's so. that's 91 flash forward it's it's 2019 do so you feel do you feel like it's like the the demographic has shifted oh like it's the, completely the, yeah, yeah. different yeah no I, I don't get I mean once in a while when I wrote the tiny thing there were some people who said really nasty stuff yeah, about me certainly. but be, about being gay but other than that hardly ever no well I think in that kind of scenario where if you're strong about it and I obviously am then people pick up on that and know not to like mess with you. I, I exactly. Think, so. Well, I think plus the world's changed. That's true, and I, I you know I think also too it, you know, it's all about life experience, right? I grew right. up at a public school, a big giant public school mm-hmm. where people were doing their own thing. I spent seven years in New York City where, I mean, oh I yeah, that worked, would be I worked. I waited tables in a restaurant in Times Square surrounded by actors and comedians. Yeah. I was in the minority of straight people, right? Yeah, so like, right. when you go to certain <laughs> places, you just yeah. learn that. There's more out there in the world, and that's like the one thing I always. I never want people to leave upstate New York, but I do want when people to go out in the world that to they be like, exposed to, to be exposed to other stuff. Right. Sometimes they should be, um, and if they're not going to be, I think it's more for people that do live here to expose them to it by being ourselves. That's what I do. So uh, that was great, by the way. Thank you for. Now I want to ask you what well, was great. Just answering that question. For oh, me. okay. <laughs> uh, I have two last questions before we get in the lightning round because I I already kept you here longer sure. than I told you I would. Oh no, you are currently great. the president of the Westmoreland Historical, Historical Society. Society. Yeah. Uh, how did that sort of come around? When did you get interested in becoming sort of involved in the history? of That was when I I first joined it when I was still very sick mm-hmm. with chronic fatigue mm-hmm. syndrome, which was really a big part of my life. I mean, yeah. that's a big thing to have spend the middle of your life on the couch, mm-hmm. you know, for. 11, 12 years. But, so my mom was in the group. So I joined because of that. And I would just go to meetings. And then, before I knew it, I just started to get more, um, you know, as as I started to recover and become more ambitious again, I wanted to do events. And, you know, I always had a knack for PR. So they just asked me one day if I wanted to be the president. And I was like, Ah, I guess so, you know, mm-hmm. and then from that, you know, we've we've all kind of, they're this wonderful group of people. They're yeah. like all in their 60s, <laughs> 70s, yes. and they've been doing this. They've been building this up for 40 years, but they let me come into this group and come up with these crazy new ideas. We're going to have a Facebook page. We're going to do this Halloween haunted house. We had this big flag day thing, and they just supported all my ideas, mm-hmm. and, awesome. you know, it's been fantastic. It was like the first public thing I was involved in after being sick. Yeah. But so they always will have this like very special place in in my heart, you know. And I've been able to do a lot for my town through that. You know, we have so much fun together and we do so much great stuff. We have a big Halloween event, we have a big flag day Mm -hmm. event. Someday we want to make Westmoreland be the flag day town. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just have (laughs) history is really interesting and especially if you approach it with a sense of marketing in mm. a sense of humor in a sense of exp- finding a way to make it relevant to people's lives and to explore history that about d- daily life which I think we do at West Westmoreland and that's something that I you know it's funny I talked when I was talking to Brian last week um, you know I think that historical societies are one of those things that until somebody sort of walks in the door yeah and looks around 
They don't always think about it as like a potential thing to do. It wasn't I was living in New York? I was a you history don't think major, of it. right? Right. And I didn't start going to historical societies until my school was like, you know, you can get in here for free because you're yeah. history. Like you can yeah. show them your card, they'll let you in. And I was like, right. oh, okay. And right. then you realize how close. And that's the nice thing about historical society as opposed to like a history museum or something. You know, yeah. I used to go to New York State Historical Society. I lived in New York, uh-huh. and you could. Open up the documents, just newspapers, and just all these hands-on yeah. documents that you really couldn't see other places, and that stuff right. is so cool. And I wish it if is. people knew that that access was there, I think more people would take advantage of it. And I, I mean, wish that more people would realize too that, like groups, mm-hmm. like especially Westmoreland, yeah. but I'm sure that I, n- I know that they do it in the county too. That these groups are actually making events that usually are free, that yeah. are fun, mm-hmm. that you can come to and enjoy and have a really good time, and that aren't like stuffy and boring but that are really active and fun and uh you know that so actually if i could get a plug-in for that please you, go ahead you can look up the westmoreland historical society on face on facebook we have mm. a facebook page awesome. so facebook i'll try and link slash. everything too for all yes. listeners afterwards so you know and if you go to my be more westmoreland page i'll mm. link you to it as awesome. well so but we do we have a really great time at historical so so i'm in the historical society i'm on the board for the pool i've become a westmoreland mason <laughs> You're all over the place. <laughs> I'm all over the place. And yet somehow you found time to decide you wanted to teach as well, and you're doing teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd love to teach. Yeah. What uh, What did you have? Like, again, I was, I, I'm an education guy, so I'm mm-hmm. always curious. What What made you interested in doing education? Did you have a particular teacher growing up that you well, just wanted to Well, I was interested because I actually did it before I got sick at, mm-hmm. you, at, at MV and at HCCC, mm-hmm. and I sure. really loved it. So when I started to get better... I knew I had to go back and I wanted to start a career again. I was like, that's the thing that I have enjoyed the most. Yeah. That in media. And so this way I kinda of get, get kinda of get to do both. Mm. So uh, Ron, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank it's been you. a real pleasure. Again, follow Ron at Twitter at Be More West uh, Be More Westmo. I always want to call it Be Mo Westmo. Be Mo Westmo. It's more, more. <laughs> B-E-M-O-R-E-W-E-S-T-M-O. Uh, you can see him on uh, the Clinton Record, Rome Sentinel. You can see him online, uh, West Berlin Historical Site. That's I'll right. try and link Can I everything. say this? I They actually set up a page for me on the Rome Sentinel. I saw that. So RomeSentinel.com yeah. <laughs> slash Be More Westmo. I'm really proud of that. That's really kind of cool. No, that's great. And, uh, and again, I want to thank you so much. You have a couple moments for lightning round questions before of we course. go? Of course. Awesome. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so, Ron, these are the same six or seven questions we ask everybody who's been okay. on the show. Uh, and we will start this way. Ron, when you wake up in the morning, all right. Uh, how do you take your coffee? Uh, I take my coffee. I don't have my coffee till I get to work. Mm. And then I have coffee pods. And I never have stuff to put in the coffee. Yeah. So I have to take it black because I have no <laughs> choice. I, uh, I have to say, I, I like the idea, in theory... Yeah. Of the pod. Yeah. Like the, the, the pods in general. Like, I right. like the fact that... Because I make a percolator every day, and I can't yeah. tell you how, how much damn coffee I throw out. Like, it's right. insane, yep. because I'll make it the start of the day, and then six hours later, I'm like, I can't drink more than two cups of yeah, coffee. That's right, right. But I feel like I get diminishing returns with the cups. Like, I'll take the cup, I'll put it in the thing, I'll use the yeah. carrier at my sister's house, I'll be like, bam, this was great. Yeah. And the second cup, I'm like, the second cup wasn't as good. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know why. Know. Maybe it's a mental thing. I can't yeah. tell if it's a mental block, if my brain don't work right. Well, Wouldn't by second me. period, I'm already on to my soda, so <laughs> I don't worry about second cup. I have so. really, I'm, I'm in the middle of trying to, I love Coca-Cola. It's my number one mm-hmm. biggest vice on the planet, probably. Yeah. Diet and Coke is mine, so I understand. It's a huge article I read about Diet Coke. I know how how bad it is. I know. Everyone keeps telling go, me. I know. What I'm trying to do now is to balance whatever soda I drink with a water, and that's I'm trying that's to get, my first step. I'm trying to get back on the polar seltzer. Polar seltzer is sort of my escape. Oh, my escape. I never clause. like that. I, I'm forcing but, myself back into it. Um, what was your first automobile? 
Um, it was actually a station wagon I bought from my parents, but it, it had been a stock car race car. Oh, a stock car. It was, it was a station wagon. <laughs> but no, it was actually a stock car. It was a stock car, like, race car. Really? It, 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 like it, a it, demolition? And it had made wheels. <laughs> really? It was a station wagon, though. It was it a wood wheels. panel station wagon? No, it was, ah, but it was blue. But it was actually, it was a race car. Yeah. Uh, well, you may, have, you may or may not have taken your stock car. It was a car, long time ago. <laughs> your stock car station wagon to see it. What was your li- your first live music event? Oh, let's see. Well, oh, I actually know that too. It was Tina Turner. Ooh, Tina! Back, yeah. Where was that? Spack. It's back. Wow, Spack. That, that must have amazing. been quite the show. I was in high school. Yeah, oh. we were so far away, but still, like it's Spack's Tina. Good though. I mean, you Tina. can sit down because yeah, you're like sort of on a hill, yes. kind of. You know, I- Tina turned. Oh my god, it's great. It's great. <laughs> She's the best. Uh, you, uh, she's a hero of mine too. I mean, look at all she's oh, overcome she's her life, true. and yeah, I think kind of underrated too in terms of when people go back and talk about like the great female singers. I think right. sort of kind of gets underappreciated a little bit in yeah. hindsight when we go back and talk about like influential females. Perhaps yeah. I'm not sure. To me, she was influential. Well, so. I feel like everyone talks about like Madonna. Like it's always oh, the Madonna yeah. conversation. Yeah. It's like right. Tina was out there killing it. She was, yeah. <laughs> And for more decades, too. In the 60s, you know, exactly. the 80s were the comeback, but, you know, yeah. Uh, if you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be and why? Erna Phillips is Erna who I would Phillips. choose. She is the woman who created the daytime soap. Oh! And she's someone who, and I've described her, she's the yes. most important, in my column, yes. I, I described her as the most important writer you've never heard of, hmm. because she was a person who realized yeah. that if you had a half hour day, yeah. or 15 minutes a day, as it were, were then, that you could use television, you could use media hmm. in a way that told long, complicated stories with psychological depth. Hmm. People think soaps, they're shallow. They weren't. It was the opposite. And she was the first person to understand that with television mm. and the television close-up, that you could get into real emotional depth with your characters. And when she created As the World Turns in 1956, mm-hmm. it was a groundbreaking show because they took so much time to explore character motivations and to have real dialogue mm. about real stuff that people talked yeah. about and to show the faces. So, you're, so she's a brilliant writer who people don't realize. And she has influenced our culture in ways people will never even grasp completely. You're going to think I'm, I'm busting your balls. You really are. I, can I t- probably I can, will, I can but tell. I, I'm okay. Uh, I am a big time, big, big, big time, hardcore professional wrestling fan. And one yeah. of the things that people say yes. in general about rest, professional wrestling, oh, it's soap opera for dudes, right? Oh, it's just soap opera right. fighting right. and steel chairs. Yeah. And I sort of make the same argument. I, I always tell people this, and they look at me like I'm an asshole. I'm like, I'm like, wrestling is basically jazz music. It's like the last great American art form. And they're like, you're right. crazy. But the idea is the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, if you are Hulk Hogan, and again, move past the problematic aspects of Hulk Hogan because he... he no, I understand. Be, uh, yeah. yeah. From 1984 mm-hmm. through today... Yeah. Hulk Hogan is a character that exists. He's been uh, a good guy. Exactly. He's been a bad guy. He was a television person. Right, right. But that's not his real name. It's a guy. It's one guy yes. who's right. played this person right. for 35 years through yep. all the ups and downs. Right. No, It's not like Tom Hanks has been Forrest Gump since 1994. He's still Tom Hanks. You know who he is. I know just what you mean. It's so weird. And that's exactly what I wrote about about two columns back. I'll yeah. put that back up. 
But I started watching General Hospital when I was three years old, mm. and I've been watching some of these these people, these characters, these actors play the same character yeah. for literally forty seven years. A mm. few of them, most of like twenty years, you know, less time than. Yeah. But still, that is a very rare and special and unique thing, mm. and it's an art form that in this country is dying out. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. So. Um, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Book, album. Well, of course I do watch General Hospital. Certainly, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Um, let's see. What do... Uh, book? We're going to talk about it later on today, but have you are you a Netflix person? I am a Netflix person. I'm trying to think. I was just... I had a cold, and I, I watched... Um, I watched Victoria. I really liked mm. Victoria. That's on on Amazon. Victoria. Prime. I don't know if I know that one. Well, it's on PBS. But oh, okay, interesting. Victoria. Oh, oh um, okay. You know, I like that. I'm a huge fan of The Crown. Oh, Crown. And, uh, <laughs> yes. And I <laughs> cannot wait did. until new season starts because they're recasting. Yeah, because Claire Foy is gone, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be Olivia Coleman, who was just like brilliant in The Favorite. Oh, The Favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Favorite is. Like the movie that just like excites me like no is, other right now. The Oscars are this weekend, are they not? They are. Yeah, I'm gonna go. There's this great cool thing at the yeah. uh, Cinema Capital. Oh, there's really? A party. You watch the Oscars there. They have <laughs> beer. They have cider for me because I'm gluten free. And so like you can drink and you can eat and you can watch the Oscars with everybody else. I'm gonna do a story about it. So we uh, look for we that. we don't have to do it here on the show. But remind me before we leave to tell you my. I had I had one of the worst experiences of my professional career at the Rome Cinema when I was 21 years old when I was playing really? in a band. Oh my god, it was uh, it's nobody's fault. Well, cinema camp a little bit different. It's so. it's nobody's fault. It was like yeah. a, it, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it later on. <laughs> well, um, you know, there's so many things. I'm trying to think like the, yeah, the Capitol Theater. What do what do I what do I listen to actually? And it's, it'll make me sound older than I am, but the 70s on seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. serious excellent. I love I mean, disco music. I mean, so I was much. born in '86, and I I'm still actually listen too to young like, to listen to that. But that's what I oh, like. Yeah. So. I listen to Steely Dan, and people are like, oh, "What's Steely wrong Dan, with you?" You're yes, like, right. like, "You know that that wasn't Donna a thing in '86." Yeah. And Ron, besides uh, besides soap operas, besides journalism, besides community activism, uh, give me one more thing, Ron, that you are passionate about. Well, I back in the spring, I became a Mason. I'm really passionate about that. Huh. I am. And actually, I'm working on my second degree. It'll be wow. next Monday. So I have to memorize. I don't have to memorize a little book, but I have to memorize <laughs> these secret codes that I can't tell you about. But I can tell you lots of stuff another time about the Masons. Because we had our first open house back in this fall, and it was the first time ever, ever that the public could come in and see inside oh, yeah. our secret. Because we were trying to get new members. So. Um, a funny story. I, I'm passionate about a lot of things. I was living in New York City. And I was going to college there, and my brother-in-law was working construction. And he was working on a Freemason building in oh, New York. okay. So he used to bring me back home to go from New York back to our, his yeah, house in Nine. Yeah, yeah, And I would meet him at this place. And I got to walk around the Freemasons building. And it's it cool. Was, They're cool, huh? It was cool. Yeah. And also kind of wild. I was it like, is what is this place? It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ron's like 90% of what's in those buildings they don't even tell me yet. So I'm only no, to I, fe- so I felt I, like I was in Boardwalk Empire. Even... Like I was like, there's going to be a room with a bear and a big muzzle-loaded gun somewhere you under glass. You never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I thank appreciate you. you taking the time. Uh, keep doing your good work. Uh, follow Ron at Edmore Westmo on Twitter, and I'll do the links for everything else uh, on the Facebook page and all that. Thank you once again for coming in. I really appreciate you. This was really fun. Thanks. Folks, we'll be back to the show.
and uh, thank you once again uh, to Ron. You know, Ron really just doing so much stuff. He's teaching. He's doing like the, the historical society. Uh, you know, and he's been like in Westmoreland since he was a kid. He never he grew up there. He went to school all the way through there. He still lives there now. It's like we had a lot in common in terms of our discussions about that. Yeah, I think that's something that's uh, that's great to see. You know, you've got somebody like Ron who he's specifically focusing on Westmoreland, which is really a small town village. I mean, whatever you want to call it, it's very small. But I think it's important to have people who are from places that they're from reinvesting that area. You know, like we do a lot with Utica, and Utica's much bigger and there's a lot more room, but it's nice to not forget and neglect the small towns. It makes me happy to see people who are from those towns trying to help build them up as well, because I think that's the activity that's really important as we go forward and try to redefine what it means to live in small towns in the Rust Belt and things like that. One of my friends lives in Illion, and she just got a big community garden there. It took her two years. Yeah. Yeah. But just stuff like that, little mm-hmm. things that people are coming out and doing to improve mm-hmm. areas. I, I feel like, I don't know if I'm naive when I say it, I do feel like we are sort of at the beginning of a less urban-centric like time in our lives. I feel like you don't have to go to cities to do the same things you did maybe 15, 20, 30 years Absolutely. ago, right? The way technology has changed things and closed distances. You can get a lot of the same cultural shifts and opportunity stuff via tech that you didn't 20 years ago. And a lot of people are coming here making those things happen, too, which is exciting. Uh, All right. So uh, you guys ready for some history lessons? Nope. Nope. Never. (laughs) Never. Good enough from Ron? (laughs) Enough from Ron from the Historical Society? Uh, All right. Well, I I mean, these ones are only okay this week. I'm sure they'll be fine. They're fine. Just do them. All right. I'm not sure I'm going to do this one. On this day, 1620. I am. On this day, 1621, Captain Miles Standish was elected as the first commander of the Pilgrim community in Plymouth, Massachusetts. He would maintain that position for the rest of his life. Uh, Although he traveled with them, he was actually not a pilgrim. He wasn't part of the religious movement. He was just a hired military advisor uh, who they brought with them. They originally wanted uh, the famous John Smith of Pocahontas fame, but apparently... Too expensive. Oh. Couldn't afford John Smith. Had to bring in Miles Standish. Great name, by the way. Uh, he was important to the new colony. He signed the Mayflower Compact, uh, one of the oldest documents outlining democratic law in what would become the United States, and he organized defense against aggressive Native American groups. I don't know. Something about that phrase seems very disingenuous to me, <laughs> right? Like, organized defenses against aggressive Native American groups. I'm like, mm. sure they were. I think you're wrong on this one, History Channel. Uh, it may have been, but I think there's a little more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I don't have much more on that one besides okay. Miles Standish. I couldn't name another, like, character from this besides John Smith and Miles Standish, right? You name another pilgrim? John Rolfe, I guess. He was one of them. Is there another pilgrim? I don't know a pilgrim. Yeah, it's a couple pilgrims. couple pilgrims. Sure <laughs> Two boys out there. Uh, on this day, 1943, wartime propaganda poster, We Can Do It! Uh, Rosie the Riveter, uh, was posted on the walls of the Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company plants in the Midwest. Uh, all of this did come out in 1943, and it is, like, famous now. It actually was limited to mostly, like, it was internal to Westinghouse for a long time. Uh, the actual Rosie the Riveter We Can Do It campaign really started to come into its own and was rediscovered in the late 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the image made the cover of Smithsonian Magazine in 1994 and was fashioned into a U.S. first-class stamp in 1999. It is one of the most popular images at the National Archives and Records Administration. Uh, there are actually two women who both claim to be Rosie the Riveter, uh, and neither one can be confirmed as who the actual person is. Um, it is one of my favorite pieces of, like, propaganda, like, wartime propaganda that's ever existed. It's, like, one of the few that we have in our, like, classroom, for mm. even though we're not a history classroom. I just dig it. It's classic. Interesting. 
What, you don't like it? Well, I don't say that. <laughs> it's great. I like when girls dress like that for Halloween instead of it's a good things. <laughs> just think it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on on this day. Interesting. 1950, uh, Walt Disney's animated film Cinderella premiered in Boston. At the time, uh, Disney was suffering from losing connection to the European film market and had endured three box office bombs in a row. Pinocchio, Fantasia, and Bambi. Which is weird to think that they were bombs at the time when they were like... I can understand. When did they put out Fantasia? 1940. Yeah. Uh, Listen, I can understand maybe where Fantasia (laughs) Fantasia. (laughs) wasn't yet hidden in 1940. I think they synthesized LSD for the first time in 1946 or... <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, so think really about it. So it seems to me like 1940 <laughs> was early on all that stuff. Was Fantasia the first, like, drug movie probably then? I mean... Yeah, I feel like... Uh, who, know, who knows what's come out, but like... I feel weird that Bambi and Pinocchio would have not been I hits. I like Pinocchio. Bambi, I, I'm, I assumed I'm that Bambi, Bambi was a hit. I thought Pinocchio was a hit, too, because Pinocchio was presented to me as a huge deal in my own yeah, childhood. Yeah, well, we were kids, yeah. Like, Pinocchio sure. was a loomed large as a character. Well, a lot of these... It. Disney made a lot of money and was very successful re-releasing these movies when we were kids. So, so that that's, happened yeah. a lot. That's probably right? what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's something that we yeah. don't really... I don't I don't think about it often, but it's not something you see today. It's not like... Like now, here and there, they'll put like a special screening of Jaws here and there, right? For like for sure. 4th of July yeah, weekend. Yeah, sure. But it's very rare that they go, oh, we're just going to release uh, Black Panther back into the theaters because it's up for Oscars. So it's back to the theaters. You know what I mean? Feel like, like, but you're seeing that more and more in like yeah. recent years. Like the marquee does it thing now where i think they do like sunday movies where throughout the month they'll have like different days where they're like yo we're showing like i know last month they did the godfather and they did a few oh. other things where they'll be like yeah if you want to come I out know that. and i think it's yeah. a little bit cheaper but My it's actually i was looking at it and it seemed like a really interesting thing where it's like you know what let's go see the godfather know, in the theater today we're not doing anything no, let's go see jaws in the theater it's an offer i can't refuse the Rome hey. capital theater does that too don't they yeah they yeah probably like well, when i was yeah. a kid the stanley used to put on old time movies here and there they used to do like a movie series yeah, when I, was little, like I, I saw snow white there when i was little my stepdad brought me i see this all the time they brought me to go see bridge on the river kwai which is one of the ultimate like dad movies oh yeah that and, like zulu or like movies Zulu's that i feel like your dad sure. it's a british war movie okay, it's, uh, it's they're both like british war movies um back to cinderella very quickly oh, okay. uh at the time cinderella came out studio was over four million dollars in debt and on the verge of bankruptcy uh after two years in production though uh cinderella was released and it became their greatest uh, critical and commercial hit for the studio since uh, snow white and the seven dwarves and received three academy award nominations uh, fun fact, when I first was doing my band in New York, we wanted to name our band Gus Gus. I loved Gus Gus. After that fat mouse yes. from Cinderella. I loved him. Do you know there are two direct-to-video sequels for Cinderella? There's Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True in 2002, and Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time, 2007. Never. Feels like cash-ins. Yeah. <laughs> Hard cash-ins. Does it? How? And they did do a... They, <laughs> How could they have They did a, fif- a 2015 live-action adaptation, although I feel like I don't remember that Oh, one. yeah. It was a big deal. Who is Cinderella? Was that Brandon? Brandon. Oh, I'm serious. Didn't they do like a last No, that was, what was the Jason Alexander <laughs> thing with Cinderella when we were kids? That was on ABC. That was like a TV movie. It was like the no. musical Cinderella. No. Yes. No, that's a real thing. I'm going to look that up. That is a real thing. That's a real thing. I'm going to look it up after we're done. Um, that's it. I don't have any more hot takes. Uh, it currently has a 97% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes and an average score of 7.7. I liked it a lot as a kid. I think now in hindsight, oh. I wouldn't put it in my top <laughs> Disney movies. I think Jungle Book is still my favorite. Oh. Like old, it has the I love the Jungle Book music. It has like my favorite music from that era. It's got like like the 
Louis Prima, like, Be Like You I music and Bare Necessities is a great song. Come on. You only... It's not Aladdin or anything. Oh, it's not. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, on this day, 1978, escaped mass murder, Ted Bundy was recaptured oh. in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, he was stopped by a Pensacola officer, and uh, he he kicked the officer in the leg after he got arrested and took off running. He was then tackled. The officer didn't know that it was Ted Bundy when he captured him. Bundy was heard to say to him, I wish you had killed me when he captured him because he knew that it was bad news for him. Ted Bundy's all over now because of this uh, Ted Bundy, the Ted Bundy tapes, the killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The I'm, Netflix and the it. upcoming Zac Efron movie. Uh, yeah, that looks good too, actually. What is it? You know, we're, I have a segment later on where we're going to talk about uh, some true crime thing that I watched this week with you. Uh, what do you think it is with these true crime stories and these serial Why are people... Because they happened. Because they're real stories, right? they it's, happened. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like the fascination with... Is there something wrong with our fascination? Because well, I have six podcasts I listen to that are like that. Oh. Hmm. My, I'm just well, interested in their mindset, what their childhood was like, what made them want to do what they it's were the doing. It's the same reason you stare at a car accident and you drive out of yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's human nature. Are you excited... Trying to look at the darkness from a safe distance is a very, very fundamental human nature thing that has nothing to do with today's modern society. Mm. That's fair. I think you're right. Uh, are you are you excited for the Zac Efron version of yep. Ted, yep. Ted Bundy? Are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Trailer looked great. Looks really interesting. Yeah. I think he'll do a good job. Um, and hopefully it'll be a nice step for him to try to transition. From these like mm-hmm. fun movies to something I, just serious. To try to be, ta- yeah, try to be taken yeah. a little bit more seriously. I the same As a guy thing. besides just like, oh, I'm like shirtless, handsome dude. You know yep. what I mean? Which he is. Yeah. He's very handsome. Uh, it's almost a hindrance. <laughs> uh, and on this day, uh, 2005, we talked about Facebook, I think, last week or two weeks ago. Today we're talking about YouTube. Uh, YouTube, internet site in which videos may be shared and viewed by others, which is a in really... Case you in case you didn't know. Uh, is launched in the United States. Uh, it was activated on February 14th with video upload options being integrated on April 23rd. So from February through April, it was just whatever they put up there, I guess. Just their own... YouTube content, I suppose. <laughs> their first video uh, was their co-founder uh, at the San Diego Zoo. Uh, it was the fastest growing site on the World Wide Web, hosting more than 65,000 videos uh, per upload, or 65,000 new video uploads per week in uh, t- 2006. Um, as of today, uh, it's 2012, I'm sorry. There are roughly 60 hours of new videos uploaded to the site every minute, which seems I'm, kind of wild. I believe it, though. There's so many influencers out there. and Is YouTube more important than something like Netflix? Is it is it broader, do you feel like, because everyone can sort of access yeah, of course. it? Absolutely. Of course it is. You can't post content on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. It's true. Yeah. You can't have your own station. In <laughs> uh, May of... Uh, March of 2013, the uh, the number of unique users visiting each month reached 1 billion. I mean, I feel like it gives YouTube a lot of, like, power. Well, YouTube they have shows a ton now. Of power. They're doing TV shows and everything on there. They're on station. And I just don't trust anyone to take that power responsibly. I guess. No, <laughs> as you should. As you should. Like, they do, like, a, a lot of the stuff that gets uploaded is, uh, I feel like when you're uploading that much stuff, I feel like a lot of stuff's got to get... Yeah. Like, skips through the filters and stuff, right? Yeah. It's got to be a big mess. It is. Yeah. Uh, anything you guys are anything you guys are currently watching on YouTube that you uh, you're liking? Um, I I always fall to the same like five or six categories on YouTube for the most yeah. part. Uh, like you know like music videos, whether gear reviews or performances or bands I like or like music type lesson things. Mm. Um, interviews with people. 
backcountry um, skiing videos for sure because yeah. I'm going next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that makes sense. I always like um, wild videos of people doing like you know like all the GoPro channel yeah, videos. Yeah, those are great. Kind of those are always Especially, good. It's all the same kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely nice for outdoors because you can kind of get an idea of what you're getting yourself into before you do large hikes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I like to see like where people are skiing, what to watch out for. I like watching stuff that I don't think I could do on my own. Like recently, I got watching some dude like restoring an old cleaver that he found at like uh, uh you, you watched that one with me, I think, right? I, that, saw that. I like stuff like that because I'm like, look at this wood shop, look at all the stuff this guy's got. How do you know how to do this? I'm so curious. I get into those supernatural videos too, where people are like caught on tape. And I know it's not real, I like, but I still have I to like, watch I have a, it. I have to watch My it. thing is, I love stuff like that, but because YouTube has become so chock full, yeah. Yeah. it's really hard to find stuff that isn't just like dumb, I'm like, Do like I clickbait, believe this obvious, guy? like ridiculous <laughs> junk. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, there you go. That's it. YouTube discussion. Let's move on. I have a couple other things we can get into this week before we get into our sort of movie review section. The Oscars are this weekend, but we're not doing any Oscar coverage, so. I'm shocked. I know you love the, the way, Oscars going back, only more than the Grammys. The Grammys were great. <laughs> uh, a lot of people said that, watch, I never watched them. I mean, I watched segments of it, and I was inspired by a lot of them. A lot of segments. A lot of people said that this was actually, like, like, like a low-key that the Grammys were good and, like, nobody talked about it. Yeah. Like, um, no, I thought some of it was it was good. And I don't watch any, you know, I don't watch any. Of I that. feel like this entire Oscar buildup has been a big wreck. Like they lost their host, and then all these people were complaining because they weren't going to show I feel all like the I technical don't awards. Really know a ton of movies this year. Yeah, I don't. More don't even more so, and that happens to me. And you know, a lot of years there'll be movies where I'm like, I haven't really heard of that yeah. one. But I feel like this year there's nothing that really sticks out to me. And I don't know if I mm. saw less movies this year or if I just saw more niche movies this year. Yeah. But mm. I have one Oscar quote we'll save till right to the end because I have a little movie section but that's that's about it it is this weekend so if you have thoughts on the Oscars or if someone's going to live tweet it let me know text in person yeah, yeah. uh, so guys <laughs> uh, over the last two year, uh, last two years or so um, n- uh, no and low alcohol drinks have been on the rise especially with millennials and Gen Z people who are avoiding alcohol uh, what do you believe in your opinion, there's a reason they give in this article. But what do you think is the number one reason, according to uh, millennials and Gen Z, of why they're avoiding alcohol? Maybe hops are going to go and be disappearing, so they're just moving on to something else. <laughs> I don't know. People drink more than IPAs. Yeah. <laughs> People do drink more. Than, um, I pro- either either something health related or something like silly. It's but social media it's actually. Be silly. In the world of social media, Hopefully, apparently, yeah. people are less can, uh, are less responsive to wanting to be on camera in, in acts of, like, not having control. That when people so want to be obliterated out publicly. Yeah, so the idea of going out and get... Less drinking. Right, it is I mean, true, if, though. If it makes less yeah. people want to get smashed and do ignorant shit yeah, at the I, bar... I'm... Go for, good for you guys. Me. We were, we grew up in an era when like cell phones were just sort of coming around when we yeah. were entering that age. I feel like if I knew that people were like taping me all the time, I'd probably well. No, I, would, I don't <laughs> well, know if I would have cared. You taped on a ton of your behavior. I don't know. Some of my behavior got taped that was unfortunate over the years. Different I times. See that. No, you don't. Uh, no, I'm saying no? Like, okay. it's, he made every tape is gone. They're all gone. Sure. Uh, no, but I do think like in our era it was something we never would have thought about, right? But now in this era. Like, I feel like that is something people probably do give way more credence to. And until I read this, I was like, oh, yeah, I never would have thought about that. But I guess it does make sense. I can think of off the immediate top of my head 15 dumb things 
between our close friends that people would be that would never want cell phones around. No. Just people and not people doing bad stuff, you know, yeah, or yeah. anything like that, but just people doing like dumb stuff and people doing you know what yeah. I mean? People just not in a great spot. I um, had too many drinks and fell over on the floor and now it's on or, camera or forever. Whatever, right? Right? Anything. Right? Whatever, whatever. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Memes out of you now and everything. You're friends yeah. again. It, yeah. Who knows what that. kind of life I don't it takes. See that. Yeah. For sure. Uh <laughs> all right. And especially now on the internet, not to harp on it, but like if you put something out on the internet, Forever. it takes a life of its own outside of your control as well. Yep. You don't have any control about what happens to it to a certain aspect. So, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, also this week, uh, a study came out from the American Heart Association condemning diet sodas. About time. Uh, drinking two or more <laughs> of any uh, kind of artificially sweetened drinks a day is linked to an increased rate of clot-based strokes, heart attacks, and early death in women over 50. Uh, I mean... I drink too much soda, as it is, uh, but I've always sort of said I'd rather drink the regular soda and just get fat than drink the diet soda, because I don't know what it does for you. So, I don't know if this article validated me. Nothing, any kind of soda is bad for you. I was going to say, I think it's all bad. Well, my, my stepdad dropped this piece of news on us at dinner, that's why I pulled this story up, and he was like saying it to my mom while she was drinking a diet soda, like do that thing, like, oh, you know what I read about the diet sodas, right? Yeah. And I was like, well... So what, man? Like, I don't... I held up the soda. I'm like, anything this color is probably not good for you. Like, anything this anything dark... Anything that can clean your bottom of your toilet. Yeah, anything that can, like... Soda. Yeah, take <laughs> rust off Almost of a nail. everything you put in your body is bad for you. It's true. Uh, so, I got a couple things here for you. This is a new type of yoga, guys. Have you heard about this? It's called rage yoga. It's about to be everyone's new favorite oh, workout. Yoga was supposed to be peaceful. Oh no, no, no! Not anymore. Jesus no, Christ. Uh, the same people that brought you power there. <laughs> surprise, surprise! This is from uh, this is from Houston, Texas. Uh, apparently, some people re- need to release and let go, and this rage yoga they're calling it uh, gives them an opportunity. Do you have a sound clip of it. <laughs> uh, there is videos of it. Love to hear. It it has a lot of swearing, and you can drink beer while you're doing it. It seems like it defeats the purpose, and it feels very gimmicky, right? I (laughs) I don't know. I'm not saying, like, if it... I don't think that this works, right? Like, if you can't be drinking beer and... You can't be swearing out, like, out in the gym. I don't know, man. It just seems weird. I want to see. I would like to watch a class. I would watch a class. We can watch some videos of it afterwards. I don't think we need to watch it live on the air. It's bad audio for people. I would go to an actual class and want to see what they look like. Uh, Okay, so earlier this week, uh, I read this story. There was a gym teacher uh, who was fired from his school after using the video game Fortnite, the popular student's video game, to motivate his kids, quote-unquote. He had told his students he would offer to play Fortnite against them but only if they completed their work that they were assigned. Hmm. So they completed the work, they sent him the proof that they had done it, they played Fortnite with him. The kids told their parents, the parents report to the school, teacher gets fired. Hmm. Where's the school? This is in Brooklyn. Hmm. In Brooklyn, New York. Um, the, te- the school claims that it's more about having unsolicited like online communication with a student, right? And whether or not it was like meant maliciously you can't do it and that this is not the only reason they fired this guy i do think that firing seems kind of harsh i don't know what this guy's track record is this seems more yeah, like, a, like a suspension type thing right is he trying to find a way to connect with the kids well know? that was also the question i was gonna i know ask. that's a bad i don't know fortnite i, I don't really know I, much about it i just know that like i'm of two okay, minds like, here right as a 33-year-old. So trying to, like, connect with the kids. Oh, right. Yeah. But no, that's the thing, right? Like, as a 33-year-old, yeah. like, teacher who played video games growing up and likes video games, 
I can understand that video games are more popular now, and it's a way for, like, kids to, like, relate a little bit. Like, a lot of my students know I play video games, but none of them know my, like, handle, because I don't want them, like, playing with me. Absolutely. And the other thing is, if you've played an online video game, I don't know how often, Heather, you play online video games. All the time. All the time. All the time. You know, even though the games themselves are rated, like, a video game may say, like, oh, rated M for mature, or rated T for teen, the, you can't really... Like, you can't monitor. People, yeah. You can't police it. Like, I've yeah. heard some conversations in video games that you'd be surprised how vulgar like, and terrible, like, some of these kids talk, these young teenagers. And it's like, yeah, I can understand. There is no real way to monitor it. And that's where I can sort of see where the problem exists here. Like, you, you have no idea what's going seems on. Extreme, but I want those, I'm sure there's more yeah. to yeah. the story. Yeah. You find another way because you shouldn't fire if that's the only thing that would happen. But I do understand where the concerns come from. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I know. It's it's just interesting because I do think that video games are becoming much more of a prevalent part of our culture in a way that they weren't always accepted. So I feel like you're going to see more sort of and things like find, this. you can find a way to do this without uh, connecting over the internet with the kids in your free time. Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, all right, that's it. Let's go to our last story of the week. And I, I should have asked you, Heather, if, we, if you had watched this on Netflix before I was going to spoil it, my movies of the week. Did you watch Abducted in Plain Sight? I've, I've read, I saw some stuff about it, but I also watched the HBO movie version of it. So oh, you watched the HBO movie? So, yeah. There's an HBO that was movie before, version? Yeah, actually, there is, and it's really good, and it, oh. it's disturbing. Yeah. But, um, I didn't watch that yet. That came mm. out after the movie. I watched the movie like seven, okay. seven months ago. Uh, so, in the, for the last few weeks, we've sort of been talking about movies. So, again, this is the end of the show. We only have a few minutes left. So, let's just say loose spoilers here so, as I talk so about. Disturbing. Okay, so. I'm surprised that this abducted in plain sight became like an internet meme and sort of like grew as big as it did. I saw so many articles about it. Really? Why? Because it's not a Netflix original thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Netflix didn't produce this. It's just something that existed on Netflix that sort of found a life of its own. I don't feel like they... Like, Netflix promotes a lot of their own stuff and it gets over. And I thought the title was stupid. I thought the title was great. I thought Abducted in Plain Sight sounded like a Lifetime movie. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I didn't take it seriously because of it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, But it was really fascinating. And and because it's not a Netflix original, I felt like it wasn't produced very well. Like, it didn't look very good. But the story is just so wild. What are the wildest doc? That's okay. The parents. Sorry to say it like that. I probably shouldn't have said that, but they're terrible. Well, Kev, you were on uh, Twitter more than I normally see you talking talking about this a few days ago about the parents on. I wasn't on Twitter for this, but since I was on there, I knew (laughs) because I had seen people commenting. Yeah, um, the parents should be locked up. What do you mean? It's pretty jail them. It does seem bananas. uh, So if you haven't watched it yet. I think it's probably worth a watch. It's only like an hour and a half, too. It's not like episodes or something annoying like that. I don't want to give these movies, like, ratings or anything for people to watch them, like, A's or F's. But I guess on a watchability scale, whether it's good or bad, it's a pretty high watchable. It's, it's, I watched a good portion of it with my hand over my mouth going like, "Mm, no. Mm -hmm. So it's, if you like that kind of thing. And it is nice to see because that's one of the nice things about it not being a Netflix original. Because if it was a Netflix thing, it's what, like an hour and a half long documentary? If it was Netflix, they would have stretched those 90 minutes over eight episodes and, and added, added like, so much extra and next filler. Year, they'd add the end of it. Yeah, yeah. It was nice <laughs> to see about all the extra filler yeah. so that Netflix could have episodes yeah. instead of a documentary. Yeah. Well, somebody compared that to the Ted Bundy thing. They said the first like episode of the Ted Bundy tapes, and I haven't watched it, was very much about like the procedural stuff, about how he like got caught and those kind of things. And by yeah. the end, it's talking more about like the state 
of like That's why I don't want to watch it. Yeah. Well, no, not even that because at the beginning they don't really talk about you know procedural and how he got caught because what you don't realize is like he got caught and he escaped twice like yeah. big escapes. Mm. So it really sort of takes some twists and turns and I'll say mm. um, by the third and especially by the fourth and it's only four episodes long. The fourth episode it's highly highly compelling. It's very rewarding to watch the whole thing if mm. you're into that kind of thing. Uh, and just like I said, uh, no Oscar coverage this week, but I did. Earlier this week, when I was doing some stuff around the house, I did sort of pop uh, Black Panther back on on Netflix, just sort of thinking about it. You know, in a year where none of the movies are very exciting and none of the hype around the Oscars is very good, I feel like they should just give Black Panther the Oscar for best movie. It's the movie that people mm. talk is it about. On the... there for best movie? Yeah, is it one yeah, of it's up there for best movie. Maybe it'll be. Maybe it'll be. I, re- well, I feel. Could you imagine how mad people on the internet would be? Well, who? Just the I people on the internet, just like yeah, why? People would be furious. It's the, the like one of really? the biggest movies. I think it will win. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go with. It's gonna I think it should win. I really don't think that there's any movie out there that makes you look like oh, it's gotta be this. I don't think people are. Cram to see Roma. I don't think Green Book is that exciting of an option. Like, there's just uh, I haven't seen most of these movies, so I don't really know. I just feel like this movie was the like the cultural touch point for a lot of the year that it, it was out for Oscar nomination. Like mm-hmm. everyone talked about it. It was a huge movie. It was everywhere. People liked it. It was well acted. It was well done. It was well made. I just think they should pull the trigger on it. It would be a huge story. They'd finally get like a superhero movie as a thing that could be part of the narrative too. It probably helped them like with some of the bad. Like, I'm not saying that's the reason it should win, but it would probably be good for them, like, at a PR standpoint, to do something like that. I mean, I think they should just let it win. That's my prediction. Let yeah, yeah, it would be... I would like to see it I if for... I feel that way. I would yeah. like to see it if just for the salt levels alone. I think yes. It's amazing to eat popcorn <laughs> and watch it play out. <laughs> right. Just watch people get so mad. So there you go. That's my one Oscar prediction for this weekend. I don't know what else. I don't know what goes on. I, they're really... I don't know how I missed all these movies. i got to take a look at these lists after we get off the air. We don't go to the movies all that often, I think, anymore. Like, I don't know. I go, I go to the movies from time to time, like... I guess I don't go to see any movies that are up for like the Oscars though. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to the theater to see a Green Book. I didn't go to see Black Klansman, although I would have. I I'm... tend to save Oscar movies. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, back in the day, this is going to sound like real pretentious. My buddy was in the SAG. We had a SAG card, so we would get like screeners sent to the house. We could sort of watch them oh, on our own cool. time. That was kind of dope, and I would watch a lot of Oscar movies. Now, kind of got to go out of my way for it, and pay I'm for it. yeah, now I'm less <laughs> less intrigued. Got to pay for it, but you just got to download it illegally on the internet. That's that true. Uh, thank you again to uh, Ron for joining us from uh, Be More Westmo on Twitter. I'll link everything for his Rome Sentinel stuff and his Be More Westmoland stuff uh, for the Clinton record. Uh, thanks to Heather for coming in You're after. Welcome. Uh, after your day of cross-country skiing. Great. Uh, Kev, how's your thumb feeling after last week? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Still there. Doing great. Doing good. You, you seem to have uh, upgraded to... The bandage is smaller. Yeah, your I'm bandage healing. is smaller. We're just band-aids now. We're yeah. healing. <laughs> nice. Uh, follow, you don't have to follow any of us on any of our things. Just follow us on Twitter at Uticast. Uh, we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, mainutica.com, uticast.com. Keep sharing. Uh, keep spreading the word. Handshake City. Uh, like the pages while you can. Yeah, like, you can. yeah, when yeah, yeah. yeah. When they're up, when they're available for you to share. Uh, and you know what? Just just keep supporting and keep doing the things you guys are doing. We really appreciate you guys. Um, yeah. pay attention to fight the power. Fight the power. All right. Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. We'll be back to fight the good fight next time. Thank you.